Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. My name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing this morning, and what are you drinking? I'm doing wonderfully, man. The <laughs> sun is shining in. It's warm. Yeah, I can the, tell. I hear, like, the birds. I, I'm pretty sure they're having sex out there. Half your face <laughs> is blown out. Seriously. And this morning, this, well, uh, it's 11 for me, so a little early, but I am drinking Son of a Peach Wheat Ale. Wheat. Wheat. Why? I'm saying what, what way? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I'm still in the coffee, so you're a little bit ahead of me right now. That's true. Which is okay. And hey, guys, today's catchphrase comes from the RK Creative on Twitter, but it actually comes from Jay-Z. Uh, and if you want to send your own catchphrases in, you can do that on Twitter at Money Matters Man or over on Facebook, Listen Money Matters. So that's cool. But hey, today we're talking to our friend Larry Ludwig about why you might want to uh, stop trusting the fleshy carbon-based life forms with investing advice <laughs> and move over to a robo-advisor, maybe not. So, hey, welcome to the show, Larry. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you drinking, Larry? I saw you um, taking a swig inconspicuously. It is called Goose Island. Ah, that's I just the of name it. of the what, what type? It's a pale ale. Uh, I really don't know much about it. Actually, that stuff's always in the end caps at my grocery store, like out on the floor, not in the liquor section. I had it in my refrigerator. I said, "What the hell?" It's a there good. You go. It's not bad. I mean, it's a little uh, stout for me, but uh, otherwise fine. Okay. I've been looking for uh, Left Blonde. It's a really cool beer. I like. I that is a very it. tasty beer. I'll have yeah. to see if I can find that. I'm trying to find it, I can't find it. Okay. Really? Well, you're all the way out in Long Island, though. Yeah. I don't know if they ship that far. <laughs> now, is Long Island one of the five boroughs, or is it like... Well, I mean, Queens and Brooklyn are part of Long Island. That's the funny thing. Most people don't consider them okay. part of Long Island. Technically, they are. But, uh, I mean, I'm part of Nassau County, which is a little bit further east than Queens and Brooklyn. But uh, it's all part of Long Island. Gotcha. Okay. I'm not uh, as knowledgeable about New York. It's so far out there. Those, it's so far out there. It's jokes. almost Europe. <laughs> <laughs> as well be. Dude, all those New York jokes like you guys are bridging tunnel guys, huh? Show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about robo advisors. What the heck is a robo advisor? I mean, basically, the, the simple way to put a robo advisor into form, it automates or helps do things that you're doing manually, either through a traditional advisor or through yourself and automates that process. And it could be from the simple of asset allocation, what to put in stocks and bonds to more tax efficiency where, okay, you do tax loss harvesting and things anywhere in between. They're starting to add more and more services along the way. Okay, cool, cool. And I mean, obviously we, we talk about Betterment a lot here, but I'm guessing there are a lot of other ones out there as well. I mean, there, there are a lot of companies. There are companies like Charles Schwab, of course, Betterment, uh, Future Advisor, Personal Capital, I mean, even some of them, uh, Wealthfront, there's, there are even some of them that are kind of considered robo-advisors like a personal capital, but really, you may even classify them as tech-assisted, meaning there's still human advisors behind the scenes helping you, but ultimately, uh, you know, they reduce the cost instead of having to go face-to-face with a, a traditional advisor. Mm. Okay, cool, cool. So it, there may still be, like, a advisor, but it's, like, uh, abstracted through the Internet. So it, depends it, on, it depends on the service. Right. I mean, the services like Betterman and Wealthfront are completely automated, no human intervention. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. people like Personal Capital really are tech-assisted. Well, all right. So, so you said uh, Wealthfront. And I'm definitely familiar with Wealthfront. 
And, you know, I think that's like the, the whole east side versus west side, <laughs> right? So wealth runs on the west side. Is this but, like a hip-hop war? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. East side, that's betterment. <laughs> <laughs> Wealthfront, W, west side. Yeah. Uh, why would you go with Wealthfront over betterment? I mean, from my looking at the, t- uh, you know, we do a bunch of reviews on Investor Junkie. And I, I think one of the things that we've determined they're trying to get their own little niche or niche, if you will, of what they can do best. And Wealthfront's really been focusing on the taxable front, where if you have taxable mm. investments, it seems like it has a little bit of better edge than Betterment in the sense of they, they can, after you go a certain amount of invested, over 100000 I believe, is now the minimum. You can mm. actually, instead of having ETFs, they actually create funds out of various stocks directly. And they save on the oh, tax okay. efficiency front from that. From really? That. Yeah. Interesting. Now, the only thing I know about Wealthfront, I think I did some some cursory research maybe a few months back, is that you have to make an investment of 5000 initially, right, I think? Correct, where Betterment does not require a minimum. Right. So with Betterment, you can do whatever you want. With Wealthfront, it's 5000 initial. But uh, on the other end of that, I think it's like always the 0.0 or 0.25% expense uh, um, instead of starting out at 0.35. I think it is. Yeah, Betterment starts at point, uh, you know, 35 basis points or 0.35%. Uh, yeah. Wealthfront starts at it starts at actually for the first fifteen thousands for free, and then after that it is point two five percent or twenty five basis points. And okay, that okay. that lines up with Betterman. I think Betterman is point two five at ten thousand. It I starts believe? at uh, ten thousand. Correct. It, it, I mean, there's certain points where Betterman might be make more sense. It might be cheaper. Yeah. After a certain point, wealth Wealthfront actually is cheaper. So, uh, from what my understanding is, <clears throat> Betterman is going more towards like the average person or or the the never investor type person, and Wealthfront is going more towards the high end, like uh, affluent. You know, I was an early employee of Facebook and have like an obscene amount of money yeah. um, type. It does. Do you kind of get that vibe as well? Yeah, or? I mean, Betterman seems to go down that path of they're trying to cater to the tech audience right now, at least heading, hitting the, the leading edge you know, uh, investors, mm. where Wealthfront mm. seems to be more, like you said, if you have nothing, you can start with nothing down and go on from there, where Wealthfront kind of caters to that tech audience. Mm. I think with Betterment, once you hit 100,000, you go down to 0. 0.15 or 15 basis points. Is that how you say it? Yeah, or 15, basically the same thing. Point, 0.15% is the same as 15 basis points. Okay, so from like a pure expense point of view, it seems like there are certain windows of your overall investment balance where one is less expensive, and then there are certain other windows where the other one is. It just sort of depends on how much money you have at one if, given time. If you look at yeah, if you look at purely the expense they charge, yes, their betterment tends to be a little bit better at the beginning because again, you can require zero down. Once you get to a certain point, then it's wealthfront. Once you get to a certain another point, it's betterment and then wealthfront. Okay, actually, I'm sorry, wealthfront and then betterment. I also want to add in there that um, it's 0.35% because I've gotten emails where people are like, oh my God, 35%? (laughs) Like you're giving all your – it doesn't make any sense. And so we're talking about like a fraction of a percent. It's not loan sharking. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like like a really, really small number, like the actual number divided by 100. So, Both of them are pretty comparable to lots of uh, Vanguard funds. Not yeah. like the total stock is going to be even less, but the average Vanguard fund is going to be around, you know, that same ballpark. And, and I think I've seen. I think like the 
point is, is that I'm like, look, obviously, if you start with something like Betterment or Wealthfront, it will be more expensive than like if you went into blah, 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 ETF and built it yourself. But once you get in there, it's actually very competitive with the pricing of most funds out there. I mean, yeah. one of the, yeah. I mean, one of the things I plan on doing on my site is offering a, a basically a cost ama- analysis of not only the fees that you charge through Betterment Wealthfront, even Charles Schwab, but what are the, what are the funds they use cost per year? So, what is the actual cost if you had say I don't know twenty five thousand dollars deposited? How much will it cost with Betterment Wealthfront and Personal Capital and all these different firms and com- do actual apples to apples comparison? Yeah, and that's something really you haven't seen out there. Is that people consider the actual fees, but not include the ETF fees, let's say, where, say, Charles Schwab actually has some fees that are pretty expensive in their their portfolio. That's a good question, because, I mean, we were, we were talking to our bond trader friend, uh, and he was talking about, like, how people don't really consider the the expenses of no, individual bonds or stocks in, within their mutual, uh, mutual funds. So it's a good thing to consider, like, which, what funds are you getting in that package, and what expenses do they carry? Yeah, I mean, Charles, yeah, Charles Schwab, for example, they don't charge you anything for their service, but they have a, a, a cash allocation from 6 to 30%, which can be significant as you grow in your portfolio and actually eat at your returns, which is mm. a big deal. I mean, that's how they're making their money, of course, but they, you know, kind of, they kind of lead you in saying, well, this is a, it's important to have cash in your portfolio. You're saying they make money because you're holding it in their quote-unquote money market fund, and then they're investing. Exactly. Okay. And, so, uh, sorry, go ahead again. Uh, I think like the big question people have is, you know, what are the returns going to be like, like the net return expenses, all that considered uh, versus a traditional financial advisor or versus just passive Vanguard style investing. And I, I guess my question to sort of piggyback onto that is how long have these been around and is it long enough to even be able to meaningfully compare? I mean, so, and some of them have changed their portfolio over time in the past you know, four mm. or five years. Uh, Betterment has changed their portfolio, I think, twice. Wealthfront's changed their portfolio, I believe, once. So it really, yeah, I mean, those hard to backtest that that data. And each person's asset allocation is going to be different. So it's really hard to say, if I get these returns, your returns will be the same. It's There's really no way to do pure apples to apples. What you can do is control your costs. Right. How do you do a, you know, that you can do a pure apples to apples comparison. Okay. I'm sorry, I like cut in on it, Andrew, what you're going to ask. Uh, so, no, no, it's, it's totally cool. I, I just want to kind of lightly, because I know we could probably spin an episode into <laughs> this. I want to lightly touch on um, why it cash would be a drag. Because it used to be, uh, you know, there was this phrase like cash is king, right? Yeah. And, you know, because that was, interest rates were like 15% or something obscene. So why would cash actually drag on your wealth building? Well, right now, cash doesn't really earn anything based on fer- you know current federal fund rate. So, therefore, in a you know Charles Schwab account, it's not going to really generate much income. So, therefore, it is a drag on your returns. Where that could be basically, it's it's the opportunity cost. You're you're able to use it for something else. Where in this case, it could be allocated to your stock and bond portfolio. I was the lo- oh, go ahead. I was going to say I was even thinking like plus inflation. Oh well, that's part of it. I mean. Opportunity cost is one of them. Inflation over time, obviously, is another issue where, let's say, the average re- inflation rate is 2 3%. It can add up quite a bit where your, your money is losing value in real dollars. Mm. 
So for uh, people like me who are not data nerds and people, you know, just don't really follow this, can you guys like give an explanation? I'm sure Andrew can chime in on this because you're a data guy of how the robo advisors actually figure out what they want to be invested in, how they adjust things automatically. Like, how does all that actually work if there's not a person actually making the decisions? I was going to say, I think you actually sat in with us in the room <laughs> when it was explained, but you might have been late. I wasn't there. Yeah, you might have been late that day. Actually, Plus, came a little everyone late. who's listening to this wasn't with us. So. <laughs> you, want, yeah, you want to start, my, Larry? Um, I was unfortunately I, I, unable to be there. I mean, all the Burbo advisors base it on what's called a modern portfolio theory. And from there, they do what's called, on top of that, the efficient frontier. Are you, and it's without going into too much details and, you know, really bore your audience to death. It really just is a regression analysis. <laughs> they're already sleeping. Through. Yeah. They're, <laughs> but it's, it's ultimately, it's all comes down to math. And it's okay. really regression analysis. And it's, it's going through the whole idea of, okay, am I really being efficient with my asset allocation? And over time, it's backtesting the, the existing data we have out there for stock and bond returns. But ultimately, it's using past performance to sort of guess what future return and, will be. And to put like a really sexy name on that, it's called a uh, Monte Carlo simulation. Yes. And Betterment oh, has like... I wasn't going to get into that, but yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to get super into it. Like if, if it like pulls your like interest string, like just go look it up. But basically yeah. Betterment has tons of this on their site all over where they do various analysis. And uh, basically, simply put, a uh, Monte Carlo simulation is they're like... We're going to set your portfolio as X, pretend it was in the past, and let's run a Monte Carlo simulation runs like a thousand or 10,000 iterations yeah. to, and kind of like finds like where it would average out, like how it would actually happen, you know, statistically. So basically yeah. they make these decisions and then run, what, run, run sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and what's the chances of that actually occurring as well? Yes. In other words, what's the percentage? I mean, if you look at Betterment's um, system, you'll, it actually does it for you via that graph. So it shows you what's the chances of getting within a certain return range or a certain dollar amount after, say, five years. And just like, and I want to go on to the other robo advisors because there's a lot of other stuff. But one of the reasons, like, I'm super obsessed with Betterman is because I'm a data guy, and I see, like, in on my jobs that you know you you are a unique snowflake. But when you pull it out to millions and millions of people, <laughs> you actually do like very predictable things, and. To, to just to throw one like anecdote, um, your phone can track your location, and if you, if if like your location was tracked as you commuted to work one day, or I mean, just like the path you take, like the blocks you turn, the way you drive, the way you walk, whatever, is actually uniquely identifying to you as a person like a fingerprint. Yeah, and so. Just, I don't know, all interesting things with the data. I don't even know what the point of that was. I actually learned <laughs> the origin of that term. Do you know it? What? Monte, Monte Carlo? Carlo simulation? No. It came, what? From the game. it came from the game. The the game? The game Monte Carlo, yeah. There's a, uh, you know, oh, like yeah, so like the name, but the, the original like use of that type of science came from the Manhattan Project. Oh, really? Because there were really? so many ridiculous variables. They couldn't, they couldn't do like straight up theoretical sit down, do the math science. They couldn't do like scientific method, classically just develop an experiment and test it. What they had to do was come up with like hundreds and thousands of parameters for every possible potentiality. And then what they did is they hired um, just like a warehouse full of women to basically sit and do math all day 
on every one of these potential values, and then that's how they got the actual values that worked to make the atomic bomb actually functional. Wow. So, and then eventually, it, like, computers took it over. So now you have Monte Carlo simulations that, like, they, that's kind of the reason that the U.S. started wanting to develop computers is so they could run Monte Carlo situations without warehouses full of women huh. doing math on sheets all day. And but, just to be yeah. clear, it was filled with women because they're better at math than us, right? They are better at math than all us. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why my, my wife does all tip calculations when we go out to eat. She's, <laughs> she's better at math. There you go. <laughs> We should do an episode on how to calculate tips. We should. We should. A mental math episode. But dude, Larry, so <laughs> we, <laughs> as we digress. Robo advisors, you had the tips, but okay. What, what were we talking about again? Yeah. yeah. So uh, what, there's this one that is free. Um, and well, there's, seems, actually, there's two for free. There's Charles Schwab and Wise Buy-in. Yeah. So I was, okay. I was kind of leading into Wise Buy-in. I actually have not tried it. And I know, unfortunately, very little about them. Could you tell us about it? I mean, wise buy is similar to you know Betterment, except they only charge, or they, they don't charge, I should say. They don't charge anything for their services right now. They, um, they give you asset allocation of various ETFs similar to Betterment. Um, ultimately, you're paying then, of course, those ETF fees per year. But outside of that, there's no additional fees through wise buy at the moment. They, they are looking for ways to generate income from that business. I mean, I guess from my only concern as their business model is where's the income for them to stay alive. Is it one of those things where they're, they're like doing a loss leader? They're just trying to like get the client base and then they turn on like the income spigot? That's, I mean, that's what they're, that, that's the thought process. Yes. So, mm. you know, that remains to be seen. I mean, it's no different than say, um, Robin hood, the, mm. uh, you know, the, the uh, brokerage firm, no different. Right. I mean, there've been that freemium model has been played before, and it's kind of had with some mixed success. I mean, Zeco years ago, the um, brokerage firm wound up merging with Trade King, and they also had that same free model. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. I mean, well, at least with Charles Schwab, they have their own ETFs they're using, and they also have a considerable amount of cash. Wise Buy-in has neither of those, so I don't know what their you know revenue model is right now. They, the only thing they state in their SEC documents is based on um, charging for custom portfolios. Huh. So, um, as cash aside, because whatever, um, you know, wise buying, just like Betterment, only free, boom, sold. Why, why am I with Betterment? Like, what are, do they do anything better? Um, I like Betterment better because of the goal base. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've discussed this. On, I haven't heard a podcast from you guys that discuss it, but it's really about the goals, the, the, end, the end result you're looking for, where right. pretty much all the robo-advisors focus on, here's your asset allocation, and here's what you want to do set up be it you know, automatic through their system or you do it yourself through some other third-party broker. But ultimately, it's not about the goal. I'm looking forward to save for retirement, so I need X dollars. I need to save for, say, college for my son. I need to do this. So it's with Betterment, it's really more about the end goal. With Wise Buy-in, Wealthfront, they're all about, okay, you have this amount of money. Here's your asset allocation based on your risk profile of asking these, say, eight questions. So it's really okay. a little different. Where Betterment does ask that same risk profile of getting what your asset allocation should be, but ultimately it's much more about the end result you're looking for. I need X dollars, so therefore I, sh- you know, I need to save every week X dollars, or X per month, I should say, X dollars to get to that goal. And what's my chances of getting to that goal? Yeah. And um, so I, I want to add two things, or, or actually I want to add three things, because um, 
uh, one, um, they, like Betterment, I, actually, I don't know. Maybe Wise Buy-In does, but they'll tell you the tax implications of the things that you do. So if you want to sell or change allocation, they don't. Mm, wise- no, they currently do not. Um, you didn't hear my head shake. The, um, I mean, with the Wise Buy-In, they currently do not have what's called tax loss harvesting, but they are looking to add that feature down the road. And that's going to be probably a premium service as well. So they will okay. charge for that service where a Betterment and even now Wealthfront do not charge at all. You can have zero dollars starting from the minimum deposits in Betterment zero dollars, Wealthfront five thousand. You so, can actually get tax loss harvesting at that point. I do want to say that accidentally perfectly timed this episode because it's going live after Betterment releases their whole fancy things that we got like secret access to. So yeah. it, 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 this episode, I, have, and I haven't seen that yet. I've, it, they actually have contacted me about that. So I haven't done the, the actual demo thing either, but I mean, we were in their office and they yeah. showed, they showed it to us. So they have at, at the moment you're hearing this, uh, TLH, the tax loss harvesting thing that used to be available to people. What was it? Larry It was like 30 K or 50 K. It was 50,000. You used to have to have $50,000 to get access to their tax loss harvesting. The one point actually was a hundred thousand. They lowered it to fifty, and now it's zero. So that's the nice. thing is, as of this moment, you're hearing it. Everyone gets taxed, and basically, it's um, they have like uh, three stocks, like a primary, secondary, and tertiary that are uh, fit the same purpose. And when your primary drops in price, they sell it. They harvest the loss, and then they buy the secondary, which is basically the same type of asset. Um, and then when that one goes up and down, whenever they harvest, and so basically they're, you're making money, but they're capturing tax losses. So when you actually sell and take your money, you don't pay that much in taxes. And the, the problem with Betterment or all, actually all the, well, all the robo advisors for that matter is they're kind of, for the most part, self-contained units. I mean, their personal capital is a little different in that they can see your whole portfolio, but with Betterment, you, whatever assets they have with them. They don't include your other assets with, say, your current employer or your 401k, what have you, or other assets outside of Betterment themselves. So it's kind of hard for them to know truly are you being they – they can be tax efficient within their portfolio, but they won't know that you have this other, you know, this other stock you lost money on in your, say, Vanguard account mm. or Fidelity account, being a better True. example. Um, now, because I, I pulled up Trisha's email, and I want to talk about Retire Guide, but first, <laughs> so I'll tease it. What what is up with Future Advisor? Because I feel like they're the bastard child of the. Um. Yeah, they've seemed to be doing a, a a few things a little differently lately. I mean, I I can I can't re-release what I, I did get a notice or advance warning of some new feature they're going to be adding in the near future. It's going to be targeting. I can say retire not retirement, but for um uh, for college education. So they will be adding a feature in the near future on that realm. But yeah, they're kind of a little different angle than, say, a Betterment and Wealthfront. And that one of the things that's neat about their service, though, is you can have an existing account with you know, Fidelity, um, TD Ameritrade, and they will manage it for you directly as opposed to having to actually hmm. make the changes yourself. So they can actually manage your Fidelity or TD Ameritrade account directly. So they'll do robo Advising stuff, and they will manage your actual portfolio that you dove into on your own. Well, let's even, or if you have existing with, say, Fidelity, let's say you have a 401k with them, they will manage it for you within the realm of what's available within your 401k, of course. Hmm. Oh, so wait, only in your 401k? Or like if I own stuff outside of a tax advantaged account? Well, then. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Ah, okay. So they're like, they're like half robo advisor, half like personal investment. 
Well, like. I mean, I mean, the the future I see. One of the things I was talking to Betterment about this. One of the discussions we had is, don't you see that Betterment should offer or manage portfolios directly in someone else's account, meaning offer the guidance they offer right now, self-contained, but offer offer the ability to manage a Fidelity account I have what instead they of having to move the assets to uh, Betterment. Right now, they don't really have an interest in that because the issue is more management and control of it. Mm. It becomes mm. a little bit harder to manage when it's through a third party. Because there's yeah. some limitations, it, it gets really complicated pretty quickly. And I know they're all about uh, like tech features and using that as like the the competitive advantage, as opposed to like warm bodies making decisions. Right, and yeah. I'd imagine that they want to stay you know within their realm of focus right now because they're not huge. Yeah, I mean the problem, of course, it gets very it gets really complicated very quickly. And yeah. ultimately, the, the but the problem is on the flip side is most people don't start off with zero dollars. Either they have to move the assets to a betterment or wealth front, as an example, or they just don't manage it at all, or add new money. You know, mm. it's one or the other. You either add new money, or you're you're rolling over, say, a four hundred one k from your existing em- or a previous employer. So it makes it a little mm. harder to use betterment. Where I think they are missing that opportunity of look, hey, I have you know hundred thousand dollars with my fidelity four hundred one k. Can you manage it for me because I'm really poor at managing it? Mm. That's what that's what a traditional advisor can do. They'll yeah. say they'll give you guidance directly. And again, some of the robo-advisors... But you already, pay for that, basically. Yeah, of well, none of it's for free, of course. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you can do this also with some of the, the robo-advisors like a personal capital. But again, it's not. It's really tech-assisted. It's not automated in the sense of a betterment is 100% automated. You could never speak to a person, and it's done automatically. Mm. Yeah. And to Thomas's point before, betterment and Wealthfront, and they're all, all these companies, they're, they're actually surprisingly small. Like, I think... Betterman has under 80,000 uh, customers. They have like a billion dollars managed. Actually, two billion. They just announced yesterday. Oh, wow. So they've, they've now reached... The, I know from at least what I see, and this is all public record from the SEC, they have to file every quarter, I believe, but they have to file every minimum every year to announce how much they have assets under management, or AUM. Hmm. At one point, uh, Wealthfront had much more, which was two billion uh, at the time, they announced they had Betterment had like 1.5 billion. Betterment just as of the, yesterday announced 2 billion. Uh, the other day, uh, Charles Schwab announced their robo advisor service alone has 2 billion. Uh, wow. So all of them are growing pretty quickly. I mean, ultimately, 2 yeah. billion is nothing compared to a Vanguard. The largest out there has 3.4 trillion in assets under management. Mm-hmm. So, you know, comparing comparing apples to apples, it's nothing. But but. Compared to traditional robo-advisors, the largest robo-advisor is around $15 billion. So there's, it's very fragmented. Traditional advisors is a very fragmented you know, market. Mm. So therefore, these robo-advisors, I think, stand a chance to consolidate a lot. So wait, the largest one is $15 billion? Not $15 billion. Which one is that? Um, it's um, Rick Edelman, or Edelman Financial, I believe, is the, the uh, largest one. Yeah. Now, is that, is that somehow different than Wealthfront and Betterment? Because I remember Wealthfront saying something about like how they were the fastest or first to reach they, $2 billion or something. Yeah, I mean, Ed, well, Edelman Financial has a tr- is a traditional advisory service. They, too, are trying to enter the robo-advisor realm. Mm. Everyone, ev- pretty much everyone is trying to get some sort of robo-advisor service or partner with a robo-advisor firm like Betterment. Like uh, Fidelity announced a partnership with them. It's a sexy term, right? Yeah. It's, it's like Rick Edelman's right managing $15 billion, and then he adds a computer, and he's like, robo-advisor, done! Like- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, okay, so that's how they got to be the largest one. They kind of just flipped on a switch and well, they've been around for years. I mean, existing money. Yeah, Edelman Financial's been around. That's total That's total assets. They don't break out how much they have in their, their new service. But Okay, 
Um, they've been around since, I believe, 1988 or something like that. Mm. Right. Okay. Which is a pretty long time. So Wealthfront would have been like the fastest to say, we're going to start as a robo-advisor from ground zero and then get to $2 billion. Well, Wealthfront even didn't start as a robo-advisor service. If you want to really get technical, Betterment uh, was technically the first robo-advisor service okay. uh, where Wealthfront originally started modeling other investors. And you can take your portfolio and model, say, Warren mm. Buffett's portfolio. And I forget okay. the name of that company. There was a different name than Wealthfront, and they changed it to Wealthfront in, I believe, 2010. Mm. I'm, I might be incorrect on this, but ultimately, they were, their original company was a little different. They changed okay. it to be a robo-advisor service, and here we are today. So Interesting. Interestingly, I think, um, and I, I don't know if it's changed recently, but Wealthfront had a lot more under management than Betterment. But Betterment had a lot more customers, and it's because... Uh, the whole like east side versus west side, a lot of like rich tech people were the original clients of Wolfronts. So they're able to get a lot more money under management, but fewer clients. Well, they also had a nonprofit division too that was not charging. This is Wealthfront, was not mm-hmm. charging for anything. And that may have helped increase that asset under, assets under management as well. I mean, it's a, it's a numbers game. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, they're, they're about the same in size. If you really want to get compare apples to apples, they're basically the same. I mean, one might be getting a little bit, growing a little faster than the other right now, but ultimately they're, they offer very similar services. And I think the one differentiator is if you're looking for, at least what I've discussed on my site, it, Wealthfront's kind of really target, targeting more the, the taxable investments, and mm. Betterment seems to be offering more the financial goal for retirement. Mm. At least okay. that's, that's the impression I get with both firms and how they're trying to be different from each other. Future advisors trying to be more for the college education. Okay. Well, look, so... <clears throat> We're a bunch of financial nerds with microphones, right? So obviously, like, well, they're gonna like they're gonna bundle these stocks and you know, blah blah blah, which is really cool, and I do want to try them, but like, uh, like, should anyone like? Does that really matter? Like, I mean, for, for in the grand scheme of things, for the normal person, meaning what? Meaning, does it matter that they they can do all these features or what? They're like. I mean, ultimately, the the service should be easy to use and not costly. I mean, like, I think okay. So you have you have an estranged cousin Ned who is coming to you for an investment advice, and he makes thirty five thousand dollars a year, and he's either going to buy the hot stock on the market or invest in a robo advisor. Which robo advisor would you put him in? I mean, we I tend to recommend Betterment out of all of them. Just right. I mean, to me, if you're looking for complete automation and, and just simply dumb. You just invest and away you go. Betterment can't be beat in that respect. Mm. Yeah. I mean, although there are competitors, you have, you know, Vanguard, for example, is offering a service that you need $100,000 to invest in as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there, there are a lot of, it really depends on what you feel comfortable with and what level of, say, management you need and what features and functionality. If you need, if you have a lot of taxable, like I said, Wealthfront might be a better choice. If you need, um, let's say, more hands on hand holding, let's say, personal capital might be a better option. Mm. Okay. So it really depends on what your needs are. I mean, not everyone, I, I think the one size fits all is a big issue right now that they're trying to figure out how they, how each of the robo advisors are different from each other. And they're they're trying the, very hard to distinguish themselves. Like, yeah. 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 So, I mean, ultimately that's the, they're not all the same. And I mean, cost is obviously an issue. That's the one thing you can control. You can't control, is this asset allocation they're going to give you, be it Wealthfront, Betterment, whoever is better than the other. You really don't know. Cause if, I mean, you can look at the previous returns in the past, but you know, the, as the professor is saying, yeah, yeah. the future, the past does not equal the future in terms of returns. You cannot right. guarantee that return. So who knows? You really don't know what that return will be in the future. 
Ultimately, yeah. you, ha- you can control the cost and minimize your taxes. And they're starting to do both of those things very well. So I, I just have to say that I'm like beyond excited that somehow we plan this episode that it will go live after Betterment launches this thing. Like I wish I could we have hope. planned. Yeah, I hope. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't have planned it better. Uh, betterment. In that, <laughs> I couldn't have planned this any betterment, even though we didn't plan it. But I think like the killer feature that Betterment's releasing is TLH. Everyone knows about it. Or, I mean, if they listen, and it's it's awesome. I don't want to belittle it. But a retire guy, this thing that's coming out, is going to be sweet. Um, you saw the demo, right, Larry? Yeah, I did. I mean, it, again, it's all about the end goal. So it's instead of instead of just saying you you have this amount of money and here's your asset allocation, here's I need this amount of money to retire. That's important. I think that's people care about that. Then they don't really they, their eyes glaze over when they start talking about the stuff we're talking about. At least most people. Yeah, like you know the details, and it's good to know the details, and I think it's important to be educated, but. You know, this the end goal is where it's at, and this retire guide is the most advanced calculator that I've seen um, that uh, will help you basically plot out your retirement in like 10 minutes, and it'll be location-specific and income-specific and, and your goal-specific. It's like pretty effing sweet. Like, I would, if anything, create an account, contribute no money to Betterment, and just <laughs> leverage a tool and like extract the knowledge from it like it's well you bring up a good point though i mean one of the i actually got interviewed recently by the miami herald and they were asking well what what prevents you from doing this all yourself or or even copying like you said go to betterment log in and copy it exactly what they recommend in terms of portfolio mm. and there really isn't any i mean ultimately you have to feel if you can feel comfortable doing it yourself then by all means open up a vanguard account do it yourself i mean ultimately yeah. i think the the, the, the verbal advisors are really targeting an audience that doesn't feel comfortable doing it themselves. Traditional advisors are either not available or too costly. So therefore, robo-advisors are a much cheaper alternative. You can do it on, you know, on pennies on the dollar as opposed to paying 1%, 2% in some cases, even more, to a traditional advisor. So it's a no-brainer where you also don't need a half a million dollars, let's say, in assets yeah. to work with them. You can, you know, with a betterment, you need nothing. With a wealth front, you need 5000 Mm. Yeah, it's you just know, efficiency for your like for your personal life. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, they they're obviously the value they're adding is they're they're creating a portfolio that you probably could not do better yourself. Yeah, I mean, if you if you done the research, you might be able to tweak a little bit here and there, but not dramatic. I mean, yeah. ultimately, you're you're paying like I said, pennies on the dollar. If you have say a hundred thousand dollars, it's not when you're talking about say point one five percent. That's really not much money. Mm. Yeah, like I I mean to make an example or a. In analogy here, I, I found a set of video effects this morning. Cost like 99 bucks a year to subscribe to it. And I mean, a lot of these effects, like the ones I'm going to use most often, are probably things I could assemble out of the stock settings. But it's, it would take me longer. So why not just pay a little bit more to have it like super efficient? You know, and then, it saves me a ton of time. And then you could do what you do good, which is make videos instead of yeah. make effects for the videos. And it's same thing with like the robo. I think the, the appeal of the robo advisor is they did like the massive research. They have like economists on staff and stuff to figure out the portfolio. Let them do that. And then you focus on like making money. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's not to say robo advisors are perfect. I yeah. mean, they're, they're, people do question, well, like I said, one can, could you do it yourself better? That's maybe a possibility. The other aspect is, is modern portfolio theory perfect? And there's the answer is no. But, mm. you know, compared to the other options, 
if you had no asset allocation, no not using modern portfolio theory to develop your asset allocation and do some other, let's say, value means or uh, value base where it's based on how how expensive the market is, those really get more complicated and they're not as proven or not as tested as, say, modern portfolio theory. Again, the modern portfolio theory is not perfect. But, mm. you know, again, if, if you had your choices, it's better than nothing, which most people have. They do not. My whole argument is most people do not have any asset allocation. They just throw the shit into our account and just cross their fingers and hope it works. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that's scary, in my opinion. I'd rather have some sort of plan. It may not be perfect. The plan might not be perfect, but it's better than what, you know, if I did it myself, nothing. You know, right. I, I don't want to say like the, the killer feature is, you know, like there's stuff like Retire Guide, which is awesome, and TLH is awesome. They have all these like awesome bells and whistles. But what I really think is awesome is like when you use something like Betterment and you go to withdraw and they tell you how much that will cost you. I think this whole concept of like you put your money into this black box, you become obscenely wealthy, and then you withdraw it and you buy your boat and you retire. But like the government takes a cut and when they tell you like the implications of your actions, it you may still do the the thing you need to do anyways, but if you're just withdrawing because you feel like it's a Friday and you're feeling weird, you know, it may prevent you from like shooting yourself in the foot. Well, more importantly, I mean, most most financial advisors talk about the accumulation phase. I mean, obviously we have we have a, an aging baby booming a baby boomer uh, population. What people have to be concerned about is how to pare down those assets. Really, most mm. if you read most financial literature, they don't talk about the paring down part. They talk about how to accumulate the shit. Yeah. Okay. What do I do <laughs> when I retire? I'm now you know 65. Okay. What do I do? <laughs> and Betterment at least does have some plan, and the other ones are introducing stuff as well. But ultimately, I think they're a little bit ahead of the game. But ultimately, the paring down of your assets is going to be just as important, if not more so, than the accumulation phase because of, like you said, taxes matter. How to minimize your taxes is going to be really a big part of it. And yeah. not only that, but Social Security plays comes in, you know, comes into play. Just overall, what's your local tax rate in whatever state you live in? Similar. Yeah, exactly. We actually did an, art- uh, an article, an episode on tax efficient investing, and I think like the- I was the I was the interviewer. Yeah, interviewee. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm saying. We did we. Is it, it's just chance that I brought that up, Larry, and you're on the mic with us. Yeah. <laughs> I am. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, because and actually, to answer your question from another podcast I listened to, uh, it's fifty three thousand this year. For, for <laughs> question, well, oh, the, for um, betterment, for, no, um, SEP IRAs or four hundred one ks, solo four hundred one ks. You can deposit up to fifty three thousand dollars. And I'll just uh, say, if you want to know what fifty three thousand dollars means, listen to the other episode with Larry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cryptic message. <laughs> yes, yeah, so get you to listen, listen to other podcasts they have. That's right. So look. Boom. Uh, do you think that we covered? I mean, do we? Do you think we missed anything? Um, no. I mean, we talked about the tax optimization. We talked about the hundred percent human, you know, either automated or human assisted. I mean, ultimately, the other aspect is, like I said, some of them have it where you can they directly manage the portfolio for you. Mm-hmm. Some will just merely give you a guidance and say, okay, you have your your. Here's what we know about fidelity: your four hundred one k with fidelity. Go make these trades for us. We can't make the trade. But most of them, some of them are still doing that. Most of them are slowly getting into, we'll do it all for you. Either some manual method by they taking over their account, become custody, or via automated means. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the future. I mean, ultimately, I, I want to have my, my funds at wherever brokerage firm and keep them there and use a, a, a wealth, robo-advisor and just have it do it for me and not worry about, you know, that, that to me is the value added they're offering. And it shouldn't matter where, where my assets are. Right. So, um, 
two things. One, we're going to have an epic amount of links in this episode to all the things we discussed. And, Larry, one of the links, you might not be ready yet, but you were talking about here building this resource out. We're going to compare fees and like all this stuff. It's not live yet. So will you how how can we first of all you're from investorjunkie.com but how can we find out when it is ready um you can subscribe to my mailing list of course that's the easiest way or the or the social media it all go through that or um i mean i can i can hopefully have it ready by the time this thing goes live so he'll send some smoke signals up yeah so <laughs> that's right so yes. look for the smoke <laughs> hopefully it's not my brain frying <laughs> brain smoke. it's your hair on fire from yeah. all the work <laughs> awesome well hey larry thanks so much for coming on the show thank you guys yeah so hey guys if you have questions about this topic or any other money related topics you can always email us over at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com you can also subscribe to the show on itunes or wherever you listen and leave a review if you want to support the show today's featured review comes from jeremy 5044 on itunes and he says these guys take the seemingly complex topic of personal finance and break it down for the everyman the shows are light and funny and appeal to the younger crowd and before listening i had no clue what i was doing with my money now I'm schooling my friends on how to handle their own finances, and they've inspired me to take action. And since listening, I've paid off my credit card debt and even began investing with Betterment. So keep up the good, buy, good work, guys. Cheers. Thanks so much for that review, Jeremy. And uh, I guess the Betterment plug as well. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, choose whichever one works for you. And I guess Larry will have the comparison up eventually. Well, I have right now on our website, we do have a robo-advisor, just basically the list of all the uh, ones out there. And we, we have reviewed all, pretty much all the robo-advisors. Okay. So that, that exists. We do not have the cost comparison yet. I was going to say, if, if anything, you should at least check out Robo, uh, RoboAdvisor.com. InvestorJunkie.com. Don't go to RoboAdvisor.com because we don't know them. <laughs> go to InvestorJunkie.com because Larry's, Larry's a brilliant dude and he's written some great stuff. Um, you just have to get past the, the look of the site. I, I believe he's redesigning hey, I'm it. I'm redesigning it. Hopefully, hopefully live uh, The that. site may look like it was created in 1980 because it was, but it's changing. <laughs> Give me a break. It's not bad. Just, yeah, it's a little bit older design. That's all right. Anyway, <laughs> you guys want to find... Uh, <laughs> I just had to slip that in there, dude. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> so you're saying anyway. it was like shit. Okay. <laughs> All making fun of Larry's side aside, you can find our favorite money management resources and books and stuff over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. That's all we got for you this week, so thanks for hanging out with us, and we look forward to the next episode. Later, guys. Later, man. Please tell your friends about this show.